Hello, good morning, and welcome to Line One, your health connection. I am your host, Dr. Justin Clark. Assisted living residences are highly flexible and supportive communities that offer staff support for activities of daily living. Basically, assisted living is for people who can live independently, but want or need assistance with some of the tasks of daily living. As our population ages, this is becoming a popular option for seniors nationwide. What services are available in Alaska? What is the difference between assisted living and a skilled nursing facility? What are the costs involved? To help us answer these questions, I am pleased to have Anna Hauser, the Executive Director at Aspen Creek Living, Aspen Creek Senior Living, excuse me. Uh, please give us a call toll-free statewide, 1-888-353-5752. 1-888-353-5752. In Anchorage, 550-8433, 550-8433, or you can email me at line1 at alaskapublic.org. Anna, welcome to the show today. Thanks for having me. I want to give you a chance to uh, introduce yourself to our listeners and tell me a little bit or tell them a little bit about uh, who you are and how you got into assisted living. Awesome. Um, I am kind of new to Alaska, moved here about just about three years ago, Um, came here for a job with my husband. And, you know, I actually started in the activity department of Aspen Creek. Um, I have a lot of experience running activities, um, doing youth groups and uh, leadership groups. And I thought, you know what, this would be a great fit for me. And it was a really actually great introduction to the senior living community um, and my community. And, you know, more specifically, I got to know the residents really well um, and talk with them regularly about their needs, what the, what they were looking for, what they struggled with. Um, and, you know, it just kind of rolled into, you know, here I am, a year later as the executive director, um, running the facility and, and loving it. Oh, good. So what kind of educational background um, did, you, did you have? Starting, starting with youth must have been a big change to going to seniors, first of all. Um, and then, you know, what was your educational background to bring you into this role? Yeah, my, my background is actually, um, I have a degree in child and family services um, and have worked you know, up to this point, primarily with youth and children. I've worked in the school system um, in the lower 48. And so the elderly was new. But, you know, ironically, when I was getting my degree and not thinking that I would move into the elderly population, um, that was actually the um, practicum that I did. I did a six-month stint in a, a nursing home in the activities department um, before I was able to get my degree. And so, you know, flash forward, it's been a few years. <laughs> I won't say how many, but a few years <laughs> since then. And now, you know, here I am back in that area in, with no real thought that I would be there um, or loving it and, and feeling so passionate about the care of our elderly. Oh, that's great. So, you know, let's start with the basics um, because assisted living is a term that, that to many people might mean many different things. And I know it is it is more focused than 
um, than people might think. So let's let's give. I want to give you a chance to kind of explain um, what your facility is, what assisted living is in general. We'll start with what it is, and then maybe we'll go into what it's not. Right. So assisted living is basically you you're somewhat independent. I would say there's there's every facility is a little bit different in what they offer, what they're licensed to do. Um, and how big they are, the size. But what we do specifically is work with the population of folks who are still somewhat independent. They just might need help maybe getting themselves to the bathroom, getting themselves to activities or their meals. We provide food, we provide, we help with medication distribution. Um, and just those everyday, you know, standby showers all the way to um, fully assisted showering, all those things that, you know, they struggle with. They're worried about falls. They're worried about not remembering, you know, day to day if they had their medication or if they still need to take it. You know, they're not really capable of cooking anymore or or don't want to cook anymore. We take care of those daily daily needs for them. Okay, so really, it's um, it's maintaining people's independence uh, for the most part, uh, except helping them uh, with certain tasks that they might need help with. Absolutely, absolutely. We want them to to still maintain as much independence as they can, and still feel like they have something to offer, that they have a purpose, that they can still meet their own needs. And, and still contribute to a, a population and a community at large. They need to feel good about that. Sure. So does the does assisted living mean different things in different um, states or nationwide, or is it, is it pretty uniform um, across the country, um, or are there different or maybe different services offered at different facilities? Yeah, it it is a little bit different, both in Alaska and both. Um, at different facilities. So every facility um, is licensed to do different things. Um, They can meet different levels of needs. Um, And then Alaska is, it's kind of interesting how Alaska works, but in Alaska, assisted living is, there's a, a fine line between assisted living and skilled nursing, which I'm sure we'll get into a little bit later. But the needs in assisted living here in Alaska are generally higher than they are in the lower 48. In the lower 48, in assisted living, they tend to be even more independent. So uh, just just repeat that for me. So you, the needs in Alaska tend to be higher in, in terms of what way? Is that the individual needs of the, of the <laughs> residents or is it, are you talking about the needs of the population as a whole? The, well, no, the needs of the residents. So when they come to our facility, even though we fall under the category of assisted living, they are still closer to a skilled nursing level of care, meaning that they they need they might need somebody to actually help them even get in their wheelchair to get to the bathroom. They they can't they probably can't walk on their own. Not all of them can walk on their own or, um, you know, like I said, shower by themselves. Whereas in the lower 48, when you move into an assisted living community, that population of people, they just need help maybe taking their medication or, you know, uh, an assist to and from an activity on occasion. But, 
you know, by and large, they are walking. They might just have a walker. Um, they don't need as, you know, they're still going in and out of the community. Some of them probably still drive. Um, but here in Alaska, that level is, is not that high. Okay. So is this the proverbial like retirement home that you're describing? Like what's the difference between that? Or maybe that's more common, a more common sort of thing in the lower 48 where it's maybe less environmental challenges and things. Yeah, and on top of it, in the lower, I, I, you know, I don't know what it is. The culture is a little bit different here in Alaska in that people tend to keep their family members home with them for a much longer period of time until they're already to the point where they're just like, you know, as a family, they're like, we can't meet these needs anymore. We definitely need help. And, um, and so now by the time they've come to, you know, assisted living, um, those, those needs are higher. Okay. Okay. Very interesting. So, there's um, some some facilities. Um, I guess most of these are for for senior care or aging individuals. Um, um, do some facilities uh, accept patients with disabilities or maybe younger people that need help? Um, uh, are there those that do both? There are. Um, like I said, that's a a licensing. So our specifically is not licensed for mental health. Um, or mental disabilities, but there are definitely facilities, and they tend to be smaller than our community, um, that are, are licensed to, to handle those needs. Okay, great. I want to give our listeners the call-in numbers again if they have any questions for Anna Hauser about assisted living. Um, the statewide number, one 888 that's one eight 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 three five three five seven five two, in Anchorage five five zero eight four three three. That's five five zero eight four three three, and you can email me at line one spelled out at alaskapublic.org. Anna, let's go through the philosophy of of your facility and assisted living um, in general. It's not, you know, you know when I was was talking to you in the pre-interview. I was using terms like um, uh, patients and um, um, not not necessarily hospital, but facility, um, and those aren't terms that you you tend to use with your with your people. Discuss the different. I mean, what's the philosophy here? Yeah, we we do like to refer to ourselves as a community, and um, we have residents. They're not patients. They are. You know, we we really want to foster a sense of. Um, family and and community in that we this isn't the end this is the next place that you're living but you have purpose you still have something to give back we um we want them to build friendships and meet new people and you know have a lot of social interaction those are the things that get us up in the morning they keep us going you know you've got those activities that um keep them motivated and engaged. And that is where we want them. This is not a place that you come to just, you know, stay in your room all day and, and watch TV and not interact with other people. Like we are a community of, of like-minded people. We've been through similar um, life experiences. We're in a similar place in, you know, in our life. And, and we want them to, to feel good about that and have people that they can talk to, you know, in those hard moments. Yeah, so it seems like you know you're trying to 
you know, it's it's not a hospital environment. It's more of a of a collective community, uh, kind of living under the same roof. But you have a lot of shared shared space and common areas and things like that, right? Yes, absolutely. So they do have their own um, room. We have a few different floor plans, you know, from studio to two ba- bedrooms, and they have their own bathrooms. Um, but then we have all our meals in a dining room together. We have an activity room. We have a theater. Um, all we, you know, we have an area that has a pool table and computers. All those shared areas that um, they can meet and have coffee and spend time with each other and just enjoy conversation and friendship. And tell me a little bit about the the family aspect of this. Um, not just the family among the among the residents, but but uh, how is? I mean, I understand that. This is a, a true partnership with the families of of the residents. How does that sort of shape up? The the fam with you know how you mean how does the family work with our our mm-hmm. community? Yeah, yeah, it, it is definitely a partnership. And like you said, we're not a hospital setting. We are, um, you know, we want to be able to take off of the family's plate those daily things that become tiring, that become exhausting, that become you know, that changed the relationship with their family member from like, I'm your daughter, I am your brother, you know, to I am your caregiver. And that is a lot of work and a lot of stress. Um, And so what we do is we are able to take that away and off the plate from the families and allow them to then be what they need to be. You know, we're not a hospital, we're not a medical facility. So we do partner with the family um, when it comes to their health in, you know, recognizing, hey, you know, we do spend every day with them. Here's what we're seeing. These are the things that we're noticing about them. We might need to reach out to a physician. You know, we might need you to take them to the doctor, have them looked at. Um, and, and that's the partnership that we have with them. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I think it complete it can completely change their role uh, in the family or or in the dynamic between, you know, perhaps a um, a son or daughter and their parent, you know, instead of being this, this, uh, caregiver, they can uh, go back to being a son or daughter and be a, su- a supportive member. Absolutely. That's what we want. That's what we want them to be able to enjoy, enjoy these, you know, these last years in a way that they haven't been previously to coming to our community. So tell me a little bit about the, the living situation. Um, you mentioned there's different options, um, um, what are, what are the what are the rooms like? What are the studios and and one bedrooms like? Yeah, so we mainly have studios. Um, like I said, it's just a little bit of an open floor plan. Um, it has a full bathroom. Um, the shower doesn't have any ledges or anything. They do have to get over right. They can like wheel their walker or their wheelchair right into it. Um, they have a, a sink and a microwave and. Um, you know, a lot of them have coffee makers, you know, like that kind of small thing. But since we provide their meals and cook for them, they don't have to have a full kitchen. Sure. Okay. And then do most of the people find it's, it's the living space itself is, is enough. I mean, it's enough to get away from, from everybody else if they want to, but they have so much common area, you know, you don't need an entire like apartment or house, right? Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's plenty of space. And initially, you know, let's be real, initially when people are coming in from like their home and downsizing, it feels like a lot of them will be like, oh, gosh, this is this is small or like, how am I going to fit my stuff in? But 
they always end up being like, you know what, there's a lot more space than I thought it was going to be. And, um, you know, sometimes just kind of get ridding, getting rid of some of those things that you have kind of encumbered you your whole life anyway is um, really a relief and kind of freeing. They feel good this coming in. And, and we don't provide the furniture or the bed. You know, they come in, it's an empty space, but they, they do put their own belongings into it. So it is their home. They, you know, it's familiar things, things they recognize um, and feel comfortable around. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't. I didn't even think about that. So they they get to actually bring in their um, their their own furniture, their own furnishings, their pictures, that sort of thing. Yep, absolutely. They can decorate it however they choose. Oh, that's amazing. How about people um, with pets? That might be a tricky uh, situation for patients, or I'm sorry, residents that have yeah. small pets or anything like that. Is is that ever a sticking point for you guys, or do you allow pets? Um, we do actually have um, some small dogs um, in our community right now. We have shied away from cats, as so many people tend to have. You know, if you're going to have an allergy, it's generally to a cat. So we haven't done that. You do have to have, when somebody comes with a pet, you do have to, um, you know, kind of log that with the state, make sure that they know they have to have all their shots. They have to give you their um you know, their records and vaccinations, that sort of thing. Um, we generally wouldn't, you know, have somebody come in that had like a really large dog and they also have to be able to take care of that pet on their own. So they have to be able to take it outside, take it on walks, take it to the, the bathroom and be able to, to care for it themselves. Okay. So be in, independent. Um, we can't have, have your guys' staff following around a dog and cleaning up, cleaning up Absolutely. messes and stuff. Sure, sure. I want to talk a little bit about the the daily living activities that you guys assist with. There's there's a lot of different things, and I have a, I have a list of things that I wanted to think about, but um, I imagine there's some that are more common than others. So um, you guys assist with things like bathing. Yep, we do bathing. We do toileting. We do um, any transferring, you know, to and from bed or wheelchair, whatever they might need. We do their laundry. We do their cooking. We clean their, their room for them, um, once a week and then daily, you know, as needed. So there's definitely a lot that goes into, you know, dressing, we get, help them get dressed all the way down to like, do we need to help you do a good job brushing your teeth? We will, you know, take care of that need for you. Okay. And help with, uh, if, if patients need medications, that they take on a regular basis, then you guys can, can help with that? Yep, we deliver medications, absolutely. That's one of the, the biggest reasons that people come in is that people are still somewhat independent, but they, you know, family is just afraid that they're not remembering to take their medication or that they are taking it twice because they already forgot they took it or, you know, whatever that might be. Medication is really one of the main reasons that people start looking into assisted living. Great. Well, I want to take our first mid-break here. Um, you are listening to Line One, your health connection. If you have a question or a comment for our guest today, give us a call, toll-free, statewide, 1-888-353-5752. 1-888-353-5752. Or in Anchorage, 550-8433. 550 After this short break, we will continue our discussion on assisted living with Anna Hauser. 
Line One, your health connection, comes to you from Alaska Public Media and is made possible with support from Providence Imaging Center, committed to the well-being of Alaskans, staff, and the community since 1986. PROVimaging.com. The Alaska State Library Talking Book Center has audiobooks and more for children and adults who are unable to read standard print. Learn more at talkingbooks.alaska.gov. This message sponsored by the Alaska Library Network. Welcome back to Line One, your health connection on Alaska Public Media. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Clark. I'm joined by Anna Hauser, the Executive Director at Aspen Creek Senior Living. Do you have questions about what services are available in assisted living? What about the challenges related to COVID? Call us toll-free statewide, 1-888-353-5752, 1-888-353-5752. In Anchorage, 550-8433, 550-8433, or email us at line1 at alaskapublic.org. And I have a question about the food, because I love food, and uh, I love cooking, and I imagine this must be um, a pretty big adjustment for some of your residents. What, what are the, tell me about the food at your facility. Anna, did, do I have you there? Oh, yep, sorry about that. Yes, food is a big one. Um, it is very important, actually. You know, like they're at a place where they look forward to their meals. Um, and initially, a lot of time when they come in, they'll, you know, it'll be like, oh, gosh, you know, I'm not, I can't cook anymore. Or, you know, somebody else is going to cook for me. But very quickly, people realize, you know what, it's kind of nice just showing up and, and having people bring me my food to the table and get me my drinks for me. Um, but we do, there's a lot of levels in terms of what people need nutritionally. Um, we contract with a, a dietitian that actually provides our menus and our recipes that our kitchen uses. Um, and then there are then variations on that when, when people have um, different medical um, issues. You know, they might be on a low salt diet. They might be um, diabetic and need low sugar. There's all kinds of, some of them need, you know, a pureed food. Whatever that need is, we can meet that need nutritionally. Okay, so give me some examples. Uh, like, what are, what are some of the, the, the more popular options that, that your residents like? You know, they are a, a meat and potatoes kind of <laughs> population of people. Um, they really don't like anything exotic um, or, you know, they, they tend to stick with the basics and um, like the things that they grew up with and are used to. And we... Every day we have what we call like the regular, which is like these are the three meals that we're going to provide. But then we have a side menu. So if, if you're not interested in this, you have a list of like salads and 
burgers or even a steak and mashed potatoes, whatever it might be on that side that you can order instead um, if you're not interested in in what's being offered that day. Okay, so I imagine a lot of, a lot of thought and care goes into the, the meal preparation. Um, and like you said, there's so many different dietary restrictions, um, you know, and there's probably some, some vegans or, or non-meat eaters in there and, and people that struggle with dairy. Like, how do you keep yes, it all straight? Dairy. Yeah. So we, um, that's part of our, our process when we are doing an assessment, when somebody comes in and, um, we're talking about what needs. So when somebody comes in, we assess that person and then we, we compile what's called a care plan. And that is basically here is all the things that we will provide for you and help you with um, based on your needs and, you know, their dietary restrictions or, you know, what they do like and dislike goes into that. Do they have any allergies? Um, Do they need their food cut up? You know, and it's in our system. Our um, chef speaks personally with the residents. And um, make sure, you know, make sure that they know the, the needs. And then when it's printed out every day, like what their menu is, there's always little notes of, you know, make sure this meat is cut up or, you know, make sure this person does not get this item on the plate. So, um, you know, it's, it's pretty specific and tailored to each resident. Sure. I imagine there's so much work involved with that. I, I don't envy you there. Um, we do have a call coming in from Homer. It looks like a Patty. Welcome to line one. Can I, um, what can we help you with today? Hi, I just have a quick question. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. And, and I apologize if this has already been addressed because I just tuned in, but I'm actually in Palmer. My mother lives in Anchorage. She has COVID. She's going to be released from the hospital in the next day or so and she is not able at this point to take care of herself and I'm looking for assisted care for her someplace where a, a patient that has COVID can be accommodated and I don't know where that would be. That's a, that's a great question and a, and a you know difficult one Patty so um, I'll pose this to, to Anna and then we'll transition a little bit to how how your facility is dealing with this this pandemic. So thank you for the call, Patty. Yeah, thanks, Patty. Um, you know, it has been honestly truly difficult, right, um, to navigate the COVID, you know, pandemic and the fears and, you know, find a balance between what, um, you know, like what, one family needs on one side of the spectrum and another family on the, the other side will say like, Oh, I'm not, I don't, I, I don't care so much about that. I just want to be able to see my family member. And, you know, we're in a, in a, in a, the middle of that trying to make sure that we meet the needs of all of the residents um, to the best of our ability. COVID, you know, has really kind of put a wrench in all of that. I don't know that right now we would bring somebody in that has COVID. Um, we are, um, our residents are all vaccinated. Um, a good portion of our staff is vaccinated, but um, there's still a lot of fear surrounding it and a lot of people who have um, lower immune systems or, you know, things that they struggle with that even with a vaccination would leave them open to the new strain or, you know, contracting it. So I don't think personally we would bring somebody in that had COVID, not right now. And maybe, you know, there are homes that might, like Pioneer Home, might take somebody who, who has COVID. 
COVID. Yeah, I imagine I can't think of a place that would take an active active COVID patient. Certainly, someone who's who's recovered or been in their quarantine for the ten or fourteen days, or however that's changing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I imagine. So, did you have some some patients? Uh, sorry, some residents at your facility who who got COVID, or or were you guys first line for vaccines? How did that play out? Um, yeah, both of those. We were first line for vaccines. We were vaccinated early, which was great. Um, we only ended up having five cases um, during the entire outbreak, um, main outbreak, uh, three of which were asymptomatic, which was awesome. Um, and in those times when we had a positive, we did go into lockdown and we would keep them. Um, the whole um, community would then go into their room for the 14-day the quarantine period to make sure that we didn't cross-contaminate or get anyone else sick. And and honestly, I think we just were super, super lucky in that it wasn't worse than it was, and our community was spared, really. Yeah, and how did you deal with the family aspect or visitation uh, during that time? Yeah, it was, you know, it was really hard. Like I said, you know, you have different families who feel differently about things, and you kind of have to play to, you know, the side that is the most cautious and and we wanted to we wanted to keep our residents safe so when we when covid came out we decided to shut our community down but only from the outside within the community our residents still um, attended activities they still ate in the dining room Um, unless it was an active case they were not quarantined to their room so we wanted to minimize that impact as much as possible and keep them, you know, at least, you know, interacting with one another. Our staff was very careful. They wore masks. They were trying really hard not to bring that in. You know, there's so much fear just that you might be the one that would bring it into the the community that I think everybody was um, pretty safe about it. Um, We initially did not have any visitation with family. Um, We would do, like, FaceTime calls and um, phone calls. Um, As it eased up a little bit, we would have – um, outside, they were able to meet outside, still socially distanced with masks. If it was too cold, we moved. We have a, um, we actually have a fitness room that has an outside door. We used that. We would just schedule the appointments for people to come and see their family, and it would um, still be again socially distanced. We would have to sanitize in between each visit. Um, they had to wear masks, and then we did this thing and. Um, called the hugging wall at one point and we again our activity room also has an outside exit so we put up a a plastic barrier in between um the door frame and cut out armholes then we we got the uh really long like shoulder length gloves and our family members came (laughs) and they got to for the first time hug their their people through this plastic sheeting, but you know, which sounds a little bit crazy, but I'm going to tell you, it was very emotional and it was the first contact that they had with their family physically in months. And it was, it was actually really special. Good. That's great to hear. Um, I just certainly imagine the, the stress involved with managing that in such a, such a, you know, facility. So um, we have another call coming in from Homer, Melanie, (laughs) Uh, welcome to Line One. Are you there? Yeah. Hi. What can we uh, answer for you today? 
Well, I don't have a question, but I just want to say if anybody's thinking of working in a home in a community like that, a long time ago, I worked in what was called then a long-term care um, home in Alaska, not in Homer, but the people that I met there um, and the stories I heard and just were incredible. It was, it was, it was my second job. I had already graduated with a nursing degree, but wasn't working as a nurse in that community. And, and it was, um, it was amazing. Just the stories, like I said, the stories I heard and sometimes some of those names that of people that I was with there now are like legendary kind of, and you never know who's in that home that you learn something from. So if anybody's thinking about, Oh, would that be right for me? It could be very right for them. So I just wanted to add that. Oh, thank you, Melanie. That's a, that's a great comment. Appreciate your call. Seriously, I love that. Thank you so much. Anna, so what what is the quali- qualifications for staff? What um, you know, what do people need to do if they want to work in a facility, um, a community like yours? Yeah, um, we would love people to come and um, work for us. And honestly, we have people who have um, done, you know, like personal care work to no experience at all. We have CNAs. Um, and we are really what you need to have is a willingness to learn, a desire to um, be patient and kind and and just want to help these people who are like, you know, like Melanie said, really kind of legendary and have some amazing stories. We are happy to train people um, in those care needs and um, with the skills that they need to be successful in this job. That's great. So I uh, have some emails here coming in, and, and this is a great one. Uh, Tammy uh, kind of wa- she wants to know how would you suggest one might go about getting parents to agree to move into an assisted living facility? And and she further comments, uh, we can't get the parents to agree to move, but they need to because of their declining memory, and they are still very much independent but need that assisted aspect of the day-to-day living. So I imagine this is something you see quite a bit in your initial meetings. What, what, can you, what advice can you provide for our listeners and Tammy? Yeah, so let me first say um, that the best advice I can give is to start the process sooner rather than later. And like I said, people like to, you know, especially here in Alaska, keep their family members with them as long as possible. But that ends up making that process far more difficult. Um, they've now deteriorated. Their, you know, their memory's even worse. They don't understand, like, well, I've been here this whole time. Why can't I stay home? And they also feel like they have less involvement in that process. So if you start earlier, um, it ends up being, you know, they feel like an active, they have an active role, and they have a say in it. Um, we love to bring people in to our community. We love to give them a tour. We love to have them attend a couple of activities, um, join a meal, um, just really sit down. You know, we have some people in our some of our residents that we kind of um, act in a role of um, greeter and, you know, they give introductions and, you know, let them know what it's like to live there. But sometimes it just takes them getting through the door and spending a little time in there to realize that, you know, it's, it's a great option that they still have their independence, but you know, they're going to have friends 
They're going to have social activities and movie nights and, you know, all kinds of things that are going to keep them engaged. Yeah. So what do you what do you tell? I mean, so trying to get the family member to the facility for a tour is probably a big thing in getting them, um, you know, introduced to the to the idea. But what about what do you suggest to family members who are trying to convince their family member to, to even go for a tour? Is is there anything anything specific or? Yes, we usually say um, let them know they've been offered a free meal. <laughs> Come on in for a free meal, free lunch on us. Not very many people turn that down, even if you you know even if it's to go see an assisted living facility and, you know, kind of just like, Hey, this is just an introduction. There's no, we're not leaving you there. We're not, you know, forcing this on you. We want you just to see what your options are um, and just be, you know, pretty open about that. Yeah. And explaining that, you know, this is a, this is a good thing for the family and and their relationship. You know, I imagine people get pretty strained and stressed uh, being a primary caregiver for a parent. Oh, absolutely. It is a very, very difficult role um, to take care of a family member and, and, you know, still live your own life. And so, you know, that's, you know, that's a huge part of too, helping the family member understand, uh, you know, your, your loved one understand that we partner with families, you know, we, our whole facility was built to um, bring families in to engage with one another. You know, like I said, we have a pool table. That's for families to use. The computers, that's all for families to use. The theater, you know, you can have, we've had families come in and have parties in the building and use the theater room. And, you know, like it's open so that you are still highly connected to your loved one. This is not a um, people ask me that a lot, like, well, what's it like? You know, do, you, do, do people get visited? I'm like, every, every single day. I have contact. We have, you know, we talk often with family members. Um, we partner with, you know, like, hey, how, how, what have you been seeing in them? You know, how can we help make this better? It's, it's a very loving place to be. That's great. And I, w- I would encourage those that are listening that are perhaps a little bit older and 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 approaching the time where assisted living might be needed is is to be open to the idea and and I, I always ask ask my parents as they're getting older you know tell me what you want um, so that I can provide that because I think that's that plays into so many decisions is this guilt about you know not taking care of your parent or not being there in your house whereas it's actually probably the opposite you know you, you they should be in a place where they get you know, their life might be easier and better. Oh, it's absolutely that way. Yeah. And we have couples that come in, you know, it's not just like one person. We have couples that are here and um, it's it's great. It's a, it's really great to see them. That's fantastic. So let's take our, our second break here. You're listening to Line One, your health connection. If you have a question or a comment for our guest today, give us a call statewide, 1-888-353-5752, 1-888-353-5752, or in Anchorage, 550-8433, 550-8433. After the short break, we'll continue our discussion on assisted living with Anna Hauser. You're listening to Line 1 from Alaska Public Media. You can find Line 1 on alaskapublic.org or wherever you get your podcasts. 
The Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine is now authorized in the U.S. for anyone 12 years or older. Getting your child immunized with this free, safe, and effective vaccine is a great way to get them safely back to sports, get-togethers, and other fun summer activities. Learn more about COVID-19 vaccines and schedule appointments at covidvax.alaska.gov or call the State of Alaska COVID-19 Vaccine Helpline at 1-833-482-9546. This message sponsored by the Alaska Department of Health and Social Services. Welcome back to Line One, your health connection on Alaska Public Media. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Clark. I'm joined by Anna Hauser, the Executive Director at Aspen Creek Senior Living. Do you have questions about the costs associated with assisted living and how to get more information? You can give us a call toll-free, 1-888-353-5752 in Anchorage, 550-8433. Okay, Anna, there's a few things I want to get to with our last segment here. we got about 15 to 20 minutes left, um, and I have uh, some good emails coming in. So I guess we should deal with the, um, the elephant in the room, and that would be the cost of these services for seniors. A uh, few emails here. Um, so, so let's go through kind of what the general costs are, what they include, and um, there you go. Yeah, Um well, yeah, the elephant in the room is what is definitely that um, senior living is not cheap um, by any means. But there are um, different insurance programs, long-term care insurance. Um, some some facilities offer uh, or allow VA benefits. There's different ways to help offset those costs and pay for them. Um, we also accept Medicaid. Some communities do not, um, but the you know the bottom line is when it comes to costs. Um, I talked earlier about the assessment um, and the care plan, and and that's what it comes down to is you know like what are those needs? How much time will we be um, spending with each resident taking care of those needs, and um, and that kind of so it's different for everybody. It you know it can go up or down based on what the needs are. Okay, um, excellent. And actually we have a, a call, I think, regarding costs. Um, Dan is calling from Wrangell. Um, Dan, can you hear me? Okay. Dan, are you there? Oh, yes, I am. Sorry about that. That's okay. Dan, you have a question uh, about the costs? Well, I did, yeah. And uh, I... I got put back on when you guys started talking about Medicaid. <laughs> um, I'm older and I'm, I'm semi-retired and I'm, I'm in decent health, but I'll be 75 in a couple years. And I don't want to burden my kids. To me, honestly, uh, an assisted living or a senior living facility sounds like fun. <laughs> People my age, music, <laughs> music, things like that. But I don't want to burden my children with with mortgaging their house i don't does insurance help pay the cost for assisted living um how much i'd like to prepare how much does it cost sure that's a great question dan thanks thanks i'll pose this to anna here and and i know it's hard to come up with exact numbers but maybe we can do some ballparking yeah um yeah dan i would definitely so um there are different I don't know, you didn't say exactly how old you are, but there are, um, for those who are younger, I'm going to recommend right now investing in long-term care insurance. It is 
it's a great way to offset those costs later on. Um, most of our private pay um, families have long-term care insurance. Um, if, if you need Medicaid, um, I'm going to say that you, the best way to, to know what your options are or if you qualify for Medicaid or what you need to qualify for Medicaid, Medicaid because it is quite a process, um, there's a, a website, Aging and Disability Resource Center, it's the ADRC, um, and they have lots of good information about um, Medicaid and that process and finding people to help you with that. Um, you know, ballpark for Alaska, generally the monthly costs start anywhere, they go anywhere from nine, five to, to 9000 a month, depending on what those needs are. Wow. So it's definitely would benefit to have insurance options to, to assist with that. Um, Absolutely. Paying, paying that out of pocket, I imagine, for the vast majority of the population is, is a challenge. Oh, absolutely. Um, although I, I imagine also, you know, resources are used, uh, used from, from the residents, you know, estate as well, um, or yes. selling the house and, and things like that. So you get rid of some costs, but then you're, you're adding others. Exactly. Great. Okay. Um, we have um, a call from Michelle in uh, Fairbanks. Let's go to line one, please. Michelle, welcome to the show. What can we answer for you today? Oh, thank you. Thank you. That's kind of a, almost a two-part question. Um, I am a trustee for a friend who's in assisted living, and my mother is also having, uh, I have her long-term care in her home, and I have caregivers coming there. But there's an issue in Fairbanks, I'm assuming everywhere, maybe it doesn't sound like it, I'm assuming this is in Anchorage, and I'd love to find out if there's a place in Fairbanks, like the place that your um, uh, person was talking about. But my, the main question is the the shortage of health care workers, like my friend, in the caregivers in her assisted living, there are times when there are so eight to 12 people in there, and sometimes they don't, they have like one person that in there or two or they don't show up and uh in my mother in, in the home care system i have um 24-hour care sometimes for her but it's getting very very hard to find caregivers like uh this past week they had we are, they can't find anyone so i was living there from wednesday to today and i luckily have a two-day break i have a person um who has agreed to come in for a from like a noon one day to noon the next day, so give myself a little bit of a reprieve. So I'm just wondering if, if that's all over, just Fairbanks, uh, or and what we can do about that to, to help my friend like who's in assisted living home and my thought of getting to my mother into assisted living. I'm, I'm hesitant to do that because of what I see in this other home my friend is in. That's a great question, Michelle. Um, Anna, what's the what's the situation with caregivers and people calling out sick with COVID or potential exposures? And uh, I mean, this is, as I imagine, it's a problem nationwide. It is. It is absolutely a problem nationwide. Um, it is. We, uh, yeah, it's stressful. It's really stressful. And what she is facing in Fairbanks is also the norm here in Anchorage. Um, everybody that I'm aware of is having shortages and having a finding, you know, having a struggle finding people to work. And, you know, as it stands right now, even my leadership team, we are on the floor pretty regularly doing shifts and making sure that those needs are met. Um, we're constantly looking to hire and get help. 
Okay. You know, we've talked a lot about what assisted uh, living facilities are, but let's talk a little bit about what they are not. Um, They are not something called a skilled nursing facility. So can you educate our listeners on what the difference is uh, between those? Yes. Um, Yes, we are not a skilled facility. That is... um, we are not medical. We are more um, social in nature. Um, our caregivers are trained to take care of those daily needs and help meet those. We have a nurse on staff, but that nurse works in a clinical role wherein she is, you know, helping with that care plan, helping to assess the needs, and then make sure that the staff knows how to deliver those needs. She's not seeing our residents on in, in a nursing-type um, role. If, if our residents are sick or have a wound, um, they would go you know, either to their doctor or a hospital. Um, and then if they have extra needs, like maybe you need wound care or um, you're on hospice or you need physical therapy, those are provided by outside agencies. A skilled nursing facility has nurses on staff uh, 24-7. Um, they work under Um, either a medical director or a physician, um, and they can prescribe and they can um, do, you know, give injections, give, um, you know, different kinds of services. And then the the biggest difference is um, really the cost as well. It's It's much, a much higher cost to be in a skilled nursing facility. Okay. So just to be clear, you do offer, though, a spectrum or levels levels of care. There's there's people that are very very independent, and there's people that are much more independent. And then you do you sometimes have people that enter into hospice through your through your um, yeah. your community. Um, so there there is a broad spectrum of what assisted living can do. Um, yeah. But then there's there's the up the the difference really is is in um, how much medical care is necessary. Yeah, that's exactly it. And we do have people who have hospice. Um, hospice will come in once or twice a week and see the the resident. And then we work with them in conjunction with them to um, meet the, the needs that they have um, in regards to to their hospice care. But, it, you know, if it gets to a point where, you know, they're, they're in constant need of medical attention or they can no longer really help in any of their own care you know they're they can't even get out of their bed um they need maybe iv medication or again we don't you know something like if they're diabetic and they have to have injections every day but they can't give themselves those injections that is a skilled level of care we um, are not licensed to um to do that but the reason that we we kind of have some overlap and that we take on some of those roles is that in, in, um, in Alaska, there is a massive shortage of skilled nursing beds. Um, we've had um, residents who have gone out, like, had maybe broken a hip, and they've gone and they've had surgery, and they're in the hospital. And generally speaking, they would go to a skilled bed for then a few weeks, really get the, the attention and the physical therapy and the help that they need before returning to assisted living. But because there are no skilled nursing beds to be found, we have had, we've, we've had to bring them back to us prematurely and then, you know, 
figure out how to raise our level of care and meet those needs because we do care and we do want them taken care of um, and there's nowhere for them to go. It's really tragic how few beds, skilled nursing beds are out there. Yeah, I see that every day. Every day in my uh, practice is we we cannot get people out of the hospital because there's just nowhere for them to go. It's it is, um, you know, and and to that it looks like we have a call from Kristen um, in Anchor Point about funding. Kristen, can you hear me? Yes. Hi, welcome to the show. Uh, yes, I just wanted to ask um, if you're aware of, uh, if somebody becomes aware of abuses within an assistant care facility or a long-term care facility, uh, who can you go to to report these things? And if you go and report these things, especially if they're receiving any state or federal funding and they're a uh, private uh, uh, organization doing this, uh, who can you go to try to get it uh, taken care of? Thanks, Kristen. Yeah. That's an excellent question, I think. Uh, and I'm sure it's a question you get from families a lot is these are vulnerable, vulnerable people. So what, what's the, you know, what's the fallback for that? Yeah. Um, so I would um, steer you towards your ombudsman. Um, they, that's what they do. They are there to um, listen to your concerns, your fears, your complaints, and then um, take any necessary action. Um, with the state um, licensing division who would then um, open a case and um, make sure that, you know, that abuse is not happening or if it is, um, you know, put sanctions or a stop to it. I imagine it's taken very seriously, right? It's um, Oh, absolutely. You know, even absolutely. whether it's a private facility or a state-funded facility, there, there's, there's always, uh, there is a licensing and accreditation um, uh, agency for these, and and that would be a place to to go if you had an issue, right? Yeah, yeah. You want to start with your ombudsman, and um, and yes, everybody has to be licensed and accredited, and there is oversight, so um, nobody should be able to to get away with abuse. Great. And so, um, for those people, let's take a step back to kind of the skilled skilled nursing. For when people do need additional services, let's say they just need to go to a doctor's appointment. Is that something the family comes and take them to, or do you have transport uh, available? How does that work? Yeah, it's a little bit of both. Um, sometimes families like to do it. Um, we do um, provide transportation to and from, uh, from medical appointments, but we like to make sure that the family, um, it, you know, unless that resident is um, doesn't have any memory issues or is, you know, really um, independent, then um, families should meet them at the appointment. That way they have somebody there to, um, you know, to, to make sure that, you know, what gets, you know, the doctor wants to happen or whatever gets um, diagnosed is then reported back to us so that we can um, help to change care or, or take care of those added needs. Yeah, that's true. They need someone there. If someone has memory issues, then it's not going to be very helpful for them to remember what the doctor wants them to do. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. And even in a, you know, like even for people who don't have great memory, you know, like serious memory issues in a stressful situation, you know, like processing that is is difficult. And so it's always nice to have a family member there. And honestly, we have such great family members in our in our community that, you know, that's that's really not an issue. People are are so happy to to be a part of that with their family member. Excellent. Well, Anna, we have we have about two minutes left, and so I just want to give you the opportunity to 
let our listeners know, you know, anything else about your facility, um, and really, for, especially for the families or people that are thinking of entering into assisted living, like, what do you want them to know? Where can they go to get more information or take a tour? Yeah, um, we have um, a website, um, Aspen Creek Assisted Living. We're also on Facebook. Um, you can um, can reach out, call us. We set up uh, tours all the time. We really like, I said, we love to have people into our building. We like to be a part of the community. We have um, events and activities, you know, like, um, trick-or-treating with people in the in the community. We have schools that come in and do musical programs. We're having a bazaar, actually, at our um, our building on the 26th of August that all the um, residents are making all of the things that they're going to be selling, you know, soaps and jewelry and all kinds of um, fun things and all that. The proceeds will go to the Alzheimer's Foundation. So, um you know, there's lots going on. We'd love people to come and see us and um, and look for us. Again, we're Aspen Creek, and um, we're online. Yeah, that's great. You know, and, and for those of you thinking about assisted living, again, start the process early. Get to know what your parents want early so that it's not quite as difficult a decision when, when the time actually comes. Yeah, agreed. Okay. Well, um, that's going to that's gonna conclude today's show. I want to give special thanks for our guest to being with us today. Anna Hauser is the executive director at Aspen Creek Senior Living. Uh, there's a link on our website if you want to go to their website. Um, I want to give thanks to our audio engineer, Adeline Baxter. I'm sorry. Uh, our audio engineer is Tobin Shelby, and our producer is Adeline Baxter. So special thanks. You can kind, uh, find more information on this and previous programs on our website at alaskapublic.org. Let us know your thoughts or suggestions by emailing us at line1 at alaskapublic.org. This has been Line 1, your health connection. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Clark. Stay safe, Alaska. is a production of Alaska Public Media, which is solely responsible for its content. Views expressed are those of the host and participants and not necessarily those of Alaska Public Media, this station, or its underwriters. Anchorage Bariatrics has been a supporter of Alaska Public Media. Learn more about Line 1 and listen online at alaskapublic.org. Life informed. This is Alaska Public Media.